0: Welcome to the Young Professionals Shorts, or as you may hear us call it, YP Shorts, where we explore the journeys of successful young professionals from a range of industries. In this special series, we bring you an in-depth interview with our guests who have achieved remarkable success in their career. To make the most of the insights and experiences that our guest has to offer, we've decided to break these interviews down into a short series of episodes. Each episode will focus on a different aspect of their story, giving you a chance to absorb all the information and truly understand what it takes to thrive as a young professional in Lancaster County. We highly recommend listening to these episodes in chronological order as they build on each other to give you a comprehensive view of our guest journey from their early experiences to their most recent successes you'll gain valuable knowledge and practical tips that can help you take your own career to the next level. So whether you're a young professional just starting out or a seasoned veteran looking to stay ahead of the curve, this series of The YP Shorts is for you. Tune in, listen, and learn from the inspiring stories of our guests, one episode at a time. Let's dive in.
1: So just kind of looking at other things that go along with TCP Network. You know, as chief marketing officer, what is your vision for the brand as it continues to grow and evolve?
2: Oh, man, my vision for the brand. I would love for our corporate podcasting to grow. I really want to get into internal podcasting. So really for like the company, you know, just internal communications, letting people know what's happening with different departments, things of that nature. Or if we do something more internal for like a hospital doctor's office, things that are happening on the compound that clients or patients can gain access to. That's really where I want the brand to go. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Cisco. They do a lot of like technological things. So if you're watching like CNN and you see like the running thing, that's Cisco, that's a part of their brand. So I would love for our brand to be, if there's a business out here doing like corporate podcasting, like they got set up by us or they got these storyboarding from us, or, you know, we assisted them for their first six months during their launching time, things like that, to make sure that people know you know, it's to say like, oh, I was encouraged by TCP. They helped me grow. I learned so much. And now my marketing funnel is bringing in X amount of dollars because I learned from them. So it's really about equipping people with the skills so that they can then take themselves, you know, filling up their own toolboxes, you know, their own tool belts. And we want to do that as TCP help business owners help that be a part of their tool belt. You know, imagine knowing how to do audio editing and podcasting for yourself for your business Or if your child says, well, mommy, I want to have a podcast now, you're now equipped to go further with that experience.
0: I think there might be an opportunity here for us to work together to figure out this podcast, which started as a little bit of a passion project of how do we reach young professionals in the Chambers Young Professionals Network and post-pandemic, what does that look like and what are people gravitating to? And so this, we really had no tools in our tool belt. And I think it would be a great opportunity to learn from you and everything that you've done. But I'm just amazed. I love the theme that keeps running through of the toolkit and the tool belt and whether it's that growth mindset and fixing the mindset that you have when you're addressing your day to day, whether it's getting the support that you need from a therapist or your community, your people, or if it's at work and you're an employer or an employee who is undertaking a project like this and saying, okay, now who can help me do this better?
1: And Wendy, you've talked a little bit about your passion for helping black and brown people succeed. So let's pivot this to, there are some folks who are probably listening in and they're hearing about or recognizing the disparities in media representation for the first time. So talk to us a little bit more about this passion that you have for increasing representation in the media for underrepresented, notably black and brown communities.
2: You know, what's crazy is that people don't know that back in the day, you know, even like during like reconstruction or pre-reconstruction, anything that talked about anti-slavery or any kind of abolitionist types of newspapers or mediums, you could die if you tried to go below the Mason-Dixon line with that type of literature. People went down there and never came back. And... My husband, he did his graduate thesis on this. It was called The Disappearance of Me and essentially how there's less black and brown people on the news. Like even after we had a black president, it actually studies showed that black people were less on the news because we had a black president and they saw it as, well, we have a black president, so we don't need to have other black people on TV. It's very strange phenomenon. Or just even how with news and information, I read a book that talked about what they would do with Black people or news coming out of Black communities. They were told to fill in the blank. If you don't know, if you're missing any pieces, just fill it in. So this is where we get a lot of the stereotypes from because the media was encouraged to just fill in the information. And so this is why it's so important to have Black and brown representation because for centuries, our stories have not been told correctly, if they've been even told at all. So we share with our children, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves and we'll sit there and me and my husband, we're always, you know, especially when we're in spaces with folks, we're sitting up there, we're looking at each other like, ah, that's like not totally true. And the fact that you're like staying on that is a part of the problem. Like they leave it at, oh, Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves or he wanted to freeze. And it's like, no, like he felt like he didn't have a choice. He felt like if he could, we would have all been back on boats and all went to Ghana. That was, you know, what he really wanted. but we don't have spaces to talk about this. And TCP, and even when we had our morning show, it really gave space to have these much needed conversations on inclusivity, on diversity, on not even black history, but on American history that no one talks about. And so history fuels me. Like I tell everybody, if I could have been a teacher, I've been a history teacher. I love history. I don't know why. It's just always been a thing for me. So that's what fuels me is because I know what it's been. And because of that, it fuels me to take up my part in it today.
0: Yeah, I can't properly attribute this quote, but I know that there is that resonating statement, you know, Native American, Black history, it is American history. And we need to ensure that it is integral in any framework that we're using to explore our past and I think that's just so powerful and so often overlooked even in today's movements that we see to bring that to light. Speaking of history do you have any favorite recommendations of reading or podcasting or articles that you would point into in the direction for young professionals of anyone interested in exploring maybe media representation or history in general?
2: So I was listening to a podcast that talked about the life of Dr. King leading up to his death. And then I also just like listening to like the finance podcast, anything on finance, people telling you how to use your money, how to save your money, where to put it. I listened to all those things. (laughs) And if I went through my Apple podcast listening, I could probably be more specific (laughs) because I just you know go to them I like on I heart them and then I just make sure to play them later on but I definitely like listening to finance stuff oh and I like Damon John's podcast the guy who owned FUBU so I like listening to his podcast as well but yeah really finance I'm just really big into finance podcasts right now I'm like fascinated with them because I feel like that has been something that has been notoriously missing from communities like mine and the information is so vast and there's so much of it. We can get ourselves out of this. Oh, man. Du Bois called it like a position that we were in as a people. So we were in like this. We were forced to be in like this economic position. So I'm really hoping that by getting into finance as people of color that we can get ourselves out of this economic position that we've seemed to have been in for generations over generation. I honestly hope that I can be a part of making that change as well.
0: Is that what inspired you to pursue your licensure? Yes.
2: (laughs) Yep. Because again, filling up my tool belt and having these conversations, it started out with partnering with Licentander Bank and Wells Fargo and Next Gen Financial Resources and doing some of their workshops. And there were things that I knew about banking and finance that still wasn't being addressed. And I was like, where's this information at? Because it's still not in the bank. It's still not here. Where is it? And then- I find out I need a licensure and it's in finance and insurances. And that's what I was looking for. That's where it is. That's where they're hiding it. So I'm working to get in there fill up my tool belt so I can go back out here and disseminate the information to my people and hopefully get us in a better economic position. than I don't know, 40 years, I could say I was a part of that change.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And there's a lot to be thankful for for you, for us, that you came here from Philadelphia and now you're contributing so much to the community. One of the things that we wanted to shed light on is you're doing things to help folks that you've never even met. You have this BIPOC business directory that you created for Lancaster County. So could you tell us a little bit more about this and where a community member could find this directory?
2: So... There's like so many different ones floating around. I'll definitely always encourage everybody to utilize the one that assets has. So the one that I created, I co-lead the Reinventing Our Communities cohort that's based out of the Philadelphia Federal Reserve. And so our thing was to find an equitable way to help build and sustain black and brown businesses in Lancaster County. And so I wanted to specifically focus on black and brown businesses like if you were a woman, I wanted you to be a woman of color. And I was like very specific about who and what I was looking for on this list. So between me and Google and all of the contact us pages <laughs> from all of the businesses I could find. So there's a for us, by us page on Facebook that has a black business directory that I helped to utilize. There's Google. They have a note for like black and brown businesses to put on there. And it's like this little like brown heart that identifies black and brown businesses. And then there was also just a lot of word of mouth. There were black and brown businesses that were sponsors for a variety of events between Harrisburg and other places in central PA. So taking all of that information and then just putting them on a spreadsheet and then going to the website and looking for phone numbers or cross-referencing Google and building it out from there. And that was kind of just how that happened and where that came from. And when I originally made it, it was because we were doing a Rock committee and we wanted to invite Black and Brown business owners to our community conversations. And I was like, well, let me just start from scratch.
0: Would you mind telling us a little bit more about the Rock cohort? I know Javar is part of it as a representative of the Lancaster Chamber. And there's so many wonderful organizations in the community, like you mentioned, assets who are part of this cohort. So I guess my first question is, What is the aim of the Philadelphia Fed Reserve in kind of launching this initiative? And then what does it look like in Lancaster?
2: So it was cross collaboration from different sectors, from like nonprofits and business owners. They came together and this was all across the United States. So all different cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, all different kinds of places. And so what the Fed asked, they said, well, hey, well, listen, we want to hear about what's happening as far as equity, you know, what's happening in your communities? Like what would your community need to be equitably sound? You know, what do you need? And everybody needed something different. Like there was one town they talked about resources for re-entry. They identify re-entry resources as an equitable issue in their community. For us, we discovered an equitable issue in our community was business. Because we believe that If you have business, people are making their own money, they're hiring other people. It's a different economic trend to own a business, build a business, and it changes the community. And so we wanted to kind of tackle that issue of building our business to parity. So we would need to increase black and brown business by what, like three, four hundred percent to be equal to the diversity of our actual community. And that's craziness. That's how diverse our community is. And it's kind of a red flag that we would need 400% more businesses of color to be equal to the actual people of color in our community. That sounds crazy. So we said, well, then let's tackle this issue because we know that there are black and brown people here. We know that they want to own business. So what's going on here? Where's the disconnect? Why isn't there equity here? And we started asking questions and we started finding out from business owners that the real issue was getting access to capital. You got to jump through hoops to get a loan. You got to show this. You got to show that. Sign up your first baby tooth. All kinds of things that we don't necessarily have access to. And not just that, but we grow up in communities and in environments where we're not talking about loans. We're not talking about financial literacy. So we're already behind. And now we're coming asking for money that we already didn't know how to access in the first place. And we really don't quite know how to pay you back for it. But we know that we got to do this thing because we're told that we're supposed to do these things. And so... What we wanted to do with that was make funding for black and brown business owners easier. You know, the access of the capital is easier. If there's a loan, the repayment terms are easier. The interest rates are less. And not just that, but the interest rates goes back into the fund to offer other loan money for black and brown businesses. So it's just paying into itself. And then not just that, but we're also doing another funding source where nonprofits can access the money for business purposes. So like the other day, the African-American Cultural Alliance hosted their Black Business Expo. So let's say if they wanted to access some funds to do another event like that, so then The black and brown businesses wouldn't have to pay. That's roughly about $80 a day for them. So we could support them, offset those costs, kind of like subsidize the costs for them. So that's what we're looking to do so that people can have access for funds for other things. And if we continue to grow and see more needs, we literally were having a conversation because I was like, well, what about if they need money for operations calls? We're saying, well, look, if the nonprofit is going to do a project, they can access the money. But what about the business owner? Like, The business owner wants to come to us and get money. They don't want to have to go to the nonprofit and then like they don't want that. They want to come straight to us and we have to figure out how to be able to do that. And so Mm. that's kind of where we're at with the Rock cohort right now. We actually are looking for volunteers. And if you are a business owner and you would like to learn more, even if you want to come to meetings or just stay abreast on what we're doing, please visit the Lancaster County Community Foundation's website and you can sign up and learn more.
0: And we'll put the link in the show description, too, for any of you who are interested in volunteering or getting more engaged. Friends, thank you for joining us on this podcast journey. You can find out more about upcoming Young Professionals Network programs by following us on Instagram at YPN underscore Lank Chamber. Subscribe to What's on Tap Lancaster on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google, or your preferred podcast listening platform to stay up to date on our episode releases. Like what you hear? Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We are grateful to Millersville University's Titus Irvin and Blake Harvey for scoring the show. What's On Tap Lancaster is hosted by the Lancaster Chamber's Young Professionals Network, written by me, Ashley Glenser, produced and edited by Chris Zarnock, owner of KMZen Creative, and recorded by TriForce Pro Audio Solutions. Stay inspired, Lancaster.